This episode of Snow the Goalie is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up today for the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo code CROSSINGBROAD. And our fine friends over at Odd Logic Brewing Company, located at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. Odd Logic Brewing Company is the go-to place if you want to take in some live music, food trucks, a Flyers game, and of course, a delicious array of beers. In this episode, we are joined by Flyers forward Scott Lawton, who talks about his breakout season, chirping, and even more. Plus, we reflect on the NHL, MLB, NBA, and MLS's stance of kicking the media out of the dressing room. We reflect on the pandemic threat and plenty more. Oh, and by the way, the Flyers are a good team. So without further ado, let's get into this episode of Snow the Goalie. Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Niskanen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, it's Derek Graham. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're, you're listening, listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, the Prognosticators podcast, the Pedialyte podcast, the Pampers podcast. The Pandemic Podcast. Oh, stop it. The only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy. Follow me on Twitter at Joy on Broad, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Happy himself, the man, the myth, the legend, and and the guy who did a lot of the legwork today. He did a lot of the heavy lifting on the interviews that you're going to hear on tonight's show and uh, and on the show later this week, and that, of course, is Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. Hey, pal. Hey, Russell. How are you? Heavy lifting um, by me? Never. Heavy lifting by you. Yeah. Well, you know, in this one this one time. <laughs> uh well, you know, somebody had to do the heavy lifting, I guess, today. I mean, uh you know, we were I was uh, recording uh, interviews for the show um in a locker room at the Wells Fargo Center, a place that you and I will not be for the foreseeable future, thanks to the blah, pandemic blah. that you mentioned. Yep. Is the NHL has shut the locker rooms down to media? COVID nineteen uh, can suck an egg. Yeah, we'll, this is uh, not okay. We'll still have access to the players. It'll be in a more of a press conference setting. So um, the thing that's going to suck for us is you know not a lot of one on one time with guys, yep. which is okay. Whatever. Um, I, I think it's going to blow over pretty quickly, and I can't imagine that this will be a thing that carries into April. When the playoffs might be able to get away with this for the rest of the regular season, but there's no way once the once they start ramping up the media media coverage in the playoffs that these players need to be available uh, and not just in a press conference setting. So I was going to lean that way with you, and and uh, over on the press row show um, on Saturday night had Russ Cohen on, and we talked about this, you know. Because when we went into Saturday's game, the the leaked report or, or whatever from uh, Elliot Friedman was that the NHL was going to put it into effect almost like a blanket policy uh, as early as Saturday night. And then it turned out that, that they had only you know put it out at the discretion of each team. And so the Flyers made it pretty clear that they were not going to put that policy into effect on Saturday. Um, but the, the thing that I guess I think is, is the, the biggest bummer in it is what you said the the one-on-one time with players goes away the the banter back and forth when you go into the locker room goes away 
the easy access to talk to a player off the record goes away. And like, sure, are there ways to establish those connections away from the locker room? Yeah, of course there are. There are, there are a million different ways to communicate. But there's nothing quite like in the heat of the moment going in and getting a guy's pure, unadulterated, unfiltered opinion of how the game went down or how that play went down or how the uh, how that odd man rush occurred and why it happened and and start to add nuance to the reporting that you do. And so it like I I guess like the best way I could put it is for the for the fan, like a lot of times they say or they see that the availability that that they see on TV um, that's very filtered and is very uh, sanitized makes it seem like the guys only give the same answer um, or the same three answers and nobody needs to hear about how you know you put it all in line for the organization and all that crap. But what they don't see is is all of the other questions that are asked. What they don't see is the more nuanced answers that players give towards the end of a scrum when a bunch of the cameras go away or when the cameras are gone entirely and it's you one-on-one or, or four-on-one with a player. Fans don't get to see that, but they do get to see it in the written work that's done over on the site. And so I, I think it's a shame, but I don't think the NHL is going to be the first one to get rid of it. I, th- I think this is going to become a, a much bigger stink in the NBA. And I think that's where it's going to trickle back down and around. Well, yeah, but I, mean, I don't know if you saw um, the Santa Clara County in California um, has uh, banned gatherings of more than 1,000 people uh, in Santa Clara County uh, taking effect as of midnight Wednesday, and it will last for three weeks. Um there's a lot to unpack with that, but nevertheless, it's going to affect three San Jose Sharks games at SAP Center, uh, which is March 19th against Montreal, March 21st against Boston, and March 29th against Arizona. Um, the Sharks, uh, as of now, have not said that they have anything formal to announce. Uh, we'll see what, what breaks tomorrow, if they'll play those games. Uh, in front of nobody or if they'll try to uh, reschedule them or maybe play them in a different city or different location who knows um, but the fact is is that that's happening uh, the, the the thing to unpack the most for me is when it says it lasts three weeks and why do you think that is Russ I don't know Anthony why is it three weeks well I'm, I'm curious I, I I know I don't claim to have all the answers but I, I have an opinion but I wanted to see what yours was. Of why they're going to put this in place for three weeks? Just for three the, weeks. Because it, it, what is it? The incubation period is 21 days from the point of contact or possible exposure to exhibiting your first symptoms. Uh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, is that correct? Is that accurate? I don't know. Maybe. Um, what's the thing that we keep hearing from... Voices in our heads? No. From oh. the, the more rational folk in our lives, not the ones that are, you know. Not the ones in our Slack chat? <laughs> not the ones, you know, pe- you know that are fear-mongering. Um, what do we keep hearing from, you know, astute medical personnel? I, and I actually talked to two different doctors tonight, as a matter of fact, uh, about this. That They firmly believe that it will subside significantly 
in the spring. It's going to come back. This isn't like it's, it's going to go away forever, but it's it, you know it'll come back after the summer. Of course, by that point, we'll be well on our way to finding a uh, antidote, a treatment, for and, yeah, and treatment, and a vaccine, yeah, a vaccination, yeah, right, vaccination. Um, but the fact is, is that you're probably looking at um, a, a situation where, as soon as it, you know the weather starts warming up, then this is going to just kind of go by the boards a little bit. So. You know, I I think that we're in. I think we're a little bit overreactive. I'm not saying that we should ignore it, um, but at the same time, I think that the notion of so you know why why does 1,001 people make the risk that much greater than 999? Like seriously, I mean, you know, we, we go to different places all the time. You're in a you know you you're around people all day long. Uh, I'm around people a lot as well in different settings and it is what it is like I mean you can't doing this of you know making people not gather together is not going to stop this from spreading as a matter of fact one of the doctors I talked to tonight said Anthony there's more of a risk of someone catching COVID-19 from touching a countertop than there is of them having catching it by being around someone who's coughing. So I mean, like, what are we what what are we doing by you know we're, we're you know we're going to tell people to just stay in their homes, and they can still get it, <laughs> like they can still get it just sitting, you know, in their in their house. Yeah, so I why think the thing is that that they might already have it. Like it's it's funny well, to me for in, sure. in a sense, and and like funny funny might not be the the right thing here, but like. The panic when, uh, what was it, Gwynedd, right? There was somebody in Gwynedd, um, Lower Gwynedd, I think, over the weekend that, that was a confirmed case, and people started losing their minds, like, oh, my God, it's it's near. It's close. Central Bucks School District shut down five schools, and it was like, oh, my God, it's close. It's like, well, no, it, it it's definitely around. Like, it's yeah. it's here, and you probably know somebody at this point who's been exposed to it. The, the key here is that everybody's body might – theoretically react differently to it um but but like in terms of why you would i I guess try to prevent the mass gathering like i i mean it it's interesting because you see what's happening in in italy where they initially took the lombardia province uh, and and quarantined it and they took Serie A games the the top flight soccer league and they started saying well you know we're going to play these games without spectators and then in the last 24 hours, Serie A has just flat out announced that they're not going to play the games. Like, they're not even going to do this in front of, you know, in empty stadiums with essential only personnel, which I think is interesting because now I guess the concept here is that they're going to try to reschedule those or they're going to just postpone them. Um, you know, I think about like what LeBron James said about not wanting to play NBA games in an empty arena, saying that the fans are the lifeblood of it and playing those games without spectators there, it just doesn't make any sense. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think that the real push is going to end up being like the, the NBA is, is the most popular of the leagues that are going to be playing games in the next month and a half. MLS isn't going to, isn't going to be the one to, to make the big shift. The NHL doesn't have enough behind it to make the shift. So then it's Major League Baseball. Or it's the NBA. Now, in the case of MLB, do they consider saying, 
you know, we don't want to have opening day be played in front of empty stadiums. And did they become the first one to kind of cave due to public pressure? And once they do, does that then allow the NHL to kind of relinquish uh, or, or to step back from this policy? I just don't think that the NHL at this point is going to be the one to make the first move. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah. Although I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the indoor sports have more of a more riding on this than the outdoor sports do. Um, and yeah, I know soccer was canceled in Italy. I get it, but I think here, I think you're looking at. I think the NHL is is the one that that it would it would hurt the least to do that to play in front of nobody. Um. I can't see it working in the NBA. I think that the players would get it would would not you know would not buy into that. I can't really see it happening in baseball. Baseball is a situation where if you're talking about you know worried about losing fans to in a sport in that sport, I can't see them sitting there saying yeah let's play games without people watching. Let's you know, let's postpone. Let's do anything. Any any of those options are not what baseball wants to do. Um, but I think hockey can kind of get away with it again, just for now. I, once the playoffs roll around, you can't not have playoff games or or not have fans attend playoff games. It just ain't happening. So, and I you know been saying this in in discussions you know with people at our crossing broad and i don't think the ncaa tournament's gonna not play there's a lot of money in that thing man and and there's a lot of money in everything like i was talking to somebody down at wells fargo center today and talking about how much they would lose if they were to not play a game or not have fans at a game not you know still play the game but have nobody inside and we are talking close to $2 million for one game. Like, think about that for a second. That's like $2 million per per game. Because it's they, they take in about a million in ticket sales. And then you have all your concessions, all your, you know, team store, parking, um, you name it like you put that all together it's close to two million dollars i can't see i can't see teams giving that up i just don't i unless they're gonna you know delay the season like push the season back and then start the playoffs later let's just take a couple weeks off and see what happens like i mean that's a that to me i can see the nhl doing um, and then just pick the season back up again. I mean, they've taken two-week breaks for the Olympics, so why, what would be the worst thing in the world to do that here, right? Um, yeah. So I can see that happening, but I just don't see them canceling games. I just don't. All right, so let's get off this. We, we I, Like, I, I will be um, – I, I think I'll be a little bit bummed to not have access to go banter with some of our uh, our favorite people in the locker room. Yeah. Especially those who uh, like looking for the scrum lurkers. <laughs> um, that part will be a little bit of a bummer. 
Um, but I, you know what? Th this is, I guess, if if you if you think that we're blowing this out of proportion, um, go back and listen to the interview we did with Travis Konechny, uh just over a month ago, where he admitted that he's much more likely to give a thoughtful response, a, a more open and honest response, if he's off to the side with a reporter than he is you know, in front of all the cameras and in front of a scrum of, of 20 people. And I, and I think that's kind of the crux of it, right? 100%. And he's not alone. I mean, you can – I think, you know, in all sports, I think a lot of athletes feel that way that they feel more comfortable just talking to a reporter one-on-one -on -one than they do, um, you know, than they do in front of all the cameras and, you know, in front of 10 guys at the same time. Like, it's just, they just feel more comfortable. And it's, you know, so I don't think Konechny's alone in that. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that I can compare it to, I guess, is, like, um, doing a few union games last year. And, and part of this is just because of, like, native language, but, like, talking to a couple of their, their new acquisitions a year ago. Uh, one was from Germany, and then one played in Chile. Um, but Spanish was his second language. But speaking to them in their native tongue, like, you get a much more authentic answer than you do through the, I don't know, the, the quasi-translating that they have to do into English. But also they kind of get a little bit more colorful with their language because they know that nobody else can, can hear them or understand them. And the case, I guess, in the NHL locker room, it's just, you know, a, a player is maybe free to, to be a little bit more open with what they're saying with the the assumption that you're not going to put all of that into text, if that makes sense. Um, but let, let's talk about the team because we're, what, 15 minutes into the pandemic podcast. Um, and we haven't <laughs> mentioned – I'm going to make that the title of the episode, by the way, the pandemic <laughs> podcast. Because um, that's – that's what we're all about here at Snow the Goalie. Um, by the way, and we need feedback, and I was going to save this for later in the show, but we do need feedback from people because, um, you know, the decision was made last week that we were going to start putting the Press Row show into the Snow the Goalie feed because so often you and I have, you know, chats later in the week after, you know, doing the Monday show where the pregame show, if nothing else, is where we kind of go macro concept, macro view, and we kind of hit on the, the biggest stories of the week. And then we get into previewing the game. And usually first and second intermission are just us offering our thoughts on the action in between. And it seems like the reaction, at least in terms of downloads, has been solid, has been good. Um, I did get one person tweet at, at us that... Um, they like the pregame portion of it being dropped in the feed, but that the first and second intermission parts aren't nearly as enjoyable because it's not happening live. Um, so what we need is feedback from you, the listeners, because Twitter only represents a small portion of our of our listenership, which, by the way, over the last few weeks has grown exponentially, which is very cool. Uh, obviously means that people are spreading the word about Snow the Goalie, which is is very cool. Um, and the stuff that, that's been going up on the site, the Flyers uh, stories on CrossingBroad.com have been doing, um, I would say, mega numbers pretty much across the board, which is also great. Um, but we do need to know, you know, are you happy to have the Press Row Show in the feed? Is it a distraction? I mean, the, the positive, I guess, is that if you don't want to listen to it, you can just kind of pass on it. You can just check it off. If you're listening on Spotify, you don't actually have to download it. 
Um, and then you could just look out for these main episodes. This is it a distraction? Like all those things we need to know. Let us know on Twitter at Ant San Philly, at Snow the Goalie, at Joy on Broad. Shoot it our way on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. Or send us an email, snowthegoalie at gmail.com. We want your feedback. And of course, we want to know what you think about uh, our food review show, No Pucks Given, also making an appearance in the feed. So uh, this team, let's talk about the team. They're pretty good. They're solid. I, I'd say that they're uh, a not bad team. Nine straight wins. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, and it's funny. I mean, you're going to hear this coming up. Um, uh, we got an interview. Uh, I did an interview today with Scott Lawton for the show, which is going to be we're going to play it here in a few minutes. Um, but the first question that I asked him, and I'll, I'll I'll save his response for when you hear the interview. But I asked him. You know, I said, you guys won eight in a row last year. You won 10 in a row back in 16. But for some reason, this feels different, doesn't it? And I say that because it feels different to me, Russ, you know, watching them. Like, they they just look like a team that can win any way you want to play. You want to play a, a faster game? They know how to They know how to take away your speed. You want to play a physical game? they'll punch you right back in the mouth. You want to play a game where, you know, you have to you know, just back and forth and kind of a track meet and you just fire away at the goalie, they think their goalie's better than yours. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of game you want to play, the Flyers feel comfortable playing it. And that's huge, right? I mean, that's that's what makes them look so dangerous. It's It's a level of confidence that we have not seen – in this organization for a long, long time. The last time anybody was as confident about the Flyers as they are about themselves right now, it has to be when Briere told me that they were going to come back from 03 and beat Boston in 2010. I, I, I've been trying to think, like, when was the last time that this team was this confident? And that had to be it. Like, I, I can't imagine that there was a time since. I mean, maybe you look at Giroux, you know, when he asked for the first shift against the Penguins in the playoffs um, with Lavi coaching in 2012. Um, he, he checks Crosby and then scores a goal. I mean, maybe that on an individual level is the case. But as far as a team level, I, I think that this is the first time since since 2010. You know what I think it is about this team, though, um, is – they sometimes, and, and I think it's gotten a little bit better, um, maybe not the last game against Buffalo, but I, I would say that the, I don't know, three, maybe four prior home games, the quasi-notorious um, start to the game that, that the team almost sleepwalks a little bit in the first and then kind of gets it going halfway through the second, hasn't been nearly as big of an issue as it was earlier in the season. And the thing that it, it just seems is so much different about this team this year versus the the squad we saw a season ago is just if you if you take this down to the simplistic way of, of viewing this as goals scored by period and and how this team does between the first second and third periods you see this massive growth you see this massive trajectory this this huge jump that occurs um, from period to period so in the, in the first period of games this season, the Flyers have scored 61 goals, which is good for 15th in the entire league. 
You go to the second period, the Flyers jump up to 10th overall in the league. They have 74 goals in the second period. And then you get to the third period. And now remember, they were 15th in the first, they're 10th in the second. This team, when they get to the third period of a game, they are third in the NHL with 87 goals in the third period. And so when you think about like what what good or or uh, what good does it do you to, to be a late scoring team? It, 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 they have this ability to just put teams away. They have this ability that in a game like they played against Buffalo, where it just kind of felt like they were letting this Buffalo team hang around a, a, an inferior squad. It, it felt like they were almost getting a, a little bit too cute with the puck in the first. The second period, it seemed like, you know what, maybe they were kind of waking up a little bit and then they got smacked in the face and the game got tied up. But they came out in the third, and Joel Farabee kind of, I think, uh, is going to learn his lesson about uh, leaking to the press that Giroux and uh, Voracek said something in between because uh, everybody else was pretty tight-lipped about uh, if anybody said anything. But, you know, Farabee said that that those two guys spoke up, and you could see what it did in the third. I mean, th- this team has this ability to go out and put up a crooked number or to go out and absolutely dominate in third periods, and... That really is the sign of a great team. I mean, the, I mean, the Rangers technically have one more goal uh, in third periods this year, but the only team that's really that far ahead of the Flyers is the Capitals. And the Capitals are a team that I think most people went into this season expecting was going to be a top two, top three team in, in the uh, conference. So it's an impressive stat, I think. I, yeah, yeah. Uh... I guess I'll I'll say this. I I think that when you when you look at the way that the Flyers play in the second and third period, and this is something else that Lawton mentions, but not really. We didn't you know dive into it, but he mentions it. I think it's a it's a credit to the schedule that Aline Vigneault is providing his team. They're not practicing, Russ. Not nearly as much as as you would think. They're just not. Vino has found success and rest for his team, keeping them fresh. And so, what I think is happening is is I think that they're really getting an opportunity to play against opponents and having more legs because they're not just they're not being. You know, worn down night after night, week or day after day, week after week. I think the Flyers just feel like they have more, you know, left in the tank, and they're able to call on that and make a difference later in games. When you know, and that's why they're winning third periods, and and yeah, that's and it, that's a big part of it. And it's also not just like a uh, a scoring output thing in terms of them being stronger late in games, it's it's about being a suffocating team. It's about shot suppression. And like for for as much as I enjoyed kind of going over the, the 10th to 15th to 3rd, if you look at goals against, they allow the 5th most goals in the first period this year. But you get to period 2 and 3, and they are the 4th best team in the NHL in terms of goals against in the 2nd and the 4th best in goals against in the third. They've only allowed um, 59 and 60, respectively, in those periods. So it it's just like the the way that Elaine Vigneault talks so much about individual players in the 200-foot game, uh, 
you you kind of see these guys settle in and play a more cohesive game later later in games and it's it's just i i think the the disparity between the almost negative differential they run in the first versus the wide margins that they run in the second and third is a a really strong reflection on this coach and on this coaching staff and on the way that they that they train these guys and they allow them to have time off and to not practice so much, but when they do practice, they make the most of it. How many times have have you and I heard a guy in the locker room this year talk about the speed of practice, about the way that that Elaine Vigneault has fundamentally changed the way the practices go, where it's high intensity, it's it's quick spurts, and it's it's about as game like as it can get. And I I think you know maybe in years past that wasn't the case, and so you I I think that. It, it's all just kind of paying dividends now for this team. And now you're seeing, once again, in another way, what it means to have an experienced coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, you're you're 100% correct. I mean, there's a lot of things that this coaching staff has done well as far as putting the you know finding the right lines to put together, um, finding the right practice schedule to, to utilize. You know, getting players to buy into the right defensive system. I mean, there's not a poor button that has been pushed by this coaching staff yet this season. And even the ones where you sat there and said, hmm, this is a curious decision, seemed to have worked out. You know, at, a, at first glance, it was crazy to fans that Vino would start Brian Elliott against Washington in the perceived you know, biggest game of the year, which I will argue is hardly the biggest game of the year, that uh, the games coming this week against Boston and Toronto are far more interesting to me than that Washington game was. Um, but, you know, the, the, you know, doing all those things and have them work for you is in, in, indicative of what this trio of coaches. And, I, I you know, Vino gets – most of the credit, deservedly so, he's the head coach. But Michelle Tarian and Mike Yo are doing things behind the scenes that are leading to the success that the Flyers are having. It's not just specialty teams either. It's you know coach, helping with the offense or coaching the defense, you know, individually for those gentlemen. That that is that is mattering and has is got has the Flyers now just one point out of first place you know I, one of the things we're recording late at night on monday the ninth uh washington just lost in a shootout to buffalo so they're only one point ahead of the flyers so if on tuesday night the flyers defeat the boston bruins at home and we'll be there uh sans locker room uh, <laughs> we'll be there um if they win that game, they will be by themselves in first place in the Metropolitan Division, and that's that's unbelievable. Just and like that, we predicted in the offseason. Yeah, well, it's unbelievable. No one predicted it and should be the linchpin that's needed you know, to lock in Elaine Vigneault as the Jack Adams Trophy winner for Coach of the Year. He has to be, right? I mean, if, if, if they well, win the Met. They, they, if, they t- win the, if they win the Met. So yeah, he's th- got to be a, a top top two. Yeah, well, I think so. I think he's a finalist no matter what. I mean, da- what Dave Tippett's doing in Edmonton this year is almost equally as impressive. 
Um, I guess the difference is, is that the Western Conference is not as good as the Eastern Conference. Like what, what Vino is doing um, in the toughest division in hockey um, with you know teams with the best records in hockey are in their same conference, and he's able to have that success. I, I think that, that that's an edge. Um, and I think it's also the success against the top teams. Well, which we've broken it, down here before. It, yeah, it's but not it's, like they're it's not like they're padding their stats against, you know, bottom feeding teams. They've gone toe to toe with Washington, with Boston, with every team in the Met. Well, I mean the Met is the Met has seven good teams. And the Flyers have the best record in the in the division against their own division. So I, I put that up top. They played great against Boston so far this season. They haven't beaten Tampa, but they've been in both of those games with Tampa, right? And then you look at how they've done against some of the better teams out west. You know, they went into St. Louis and beat the Blues. That's that's big, you know. Um, they got a couple tough ones coming up from the west. Minnesota and Edmonton, back-to-back well, back th- days. Those are at home. And then they go yeah. on the road, and they have back-to-back road games against Dallas and Nashville. So... I mean, there's still some tests out there. The Flyers, Flyers have a, a tougher schedule than I think a lot of people realize moving forward, and which is probably why mathematically, they're uh, most people are sitting there saying the Capitals will, will hang on and win the division. But th- th- there's nothing. This Flyers team butts convention. They really go against convention, and I I think that even if your uh, uh, your analytics are telling you otherwise. You know, this this team's this team's in a in a good spot heading down the stretch and into the playoffs because they fear no one. And one of the guys who's been fueling the uh, team's success is Scott Lawton. So uh, when we come back on the other side, we'll talk more about the uh, games ahead. But we'd be remiss if we went any longer in this episode without getting to Flyers forward Scott Lawton. Anthony sat down with him for an exclusive one on one. With the uh, the man who maybe more than anybody greatly influences Travis Konechny's demeanor on and off the ice. Hey, let me say this too, Russ, before we get to the interview. Scott Lawton and I shook hands three times today. Three times. Neither one of us were were worried about getting coronavirus. Three times we shook hands. Just Did you know to, that you're Anthony just Sandemonia? Just wanted to point that out, Okay. That's for that's so, for Kyle. So, ladies and gents, let the record show. And for the NHL, who's banning us from the locker room, that if Scott Lawton comes down ill, it's San Filippo's fault. That's right. With that, let's get to a at least at the time of the interview, healthy Flyers forward Scott Lawton. We would now like to welcome into Snow the goalie Flyers forward Scott Lawton. Scott, thanks for taking the time to join us here on the program. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, nine games in a row, you guys have won now. And that's, I mean, that's not a number that you should be taken lightly. But you guys have done this in the recent past as well. I mean, you won eight in a row last season, and you won ten in a row back in 2016. Mm-hmm. But yet, this feels different, doesn't it? I mean, you know, it, it really does. And, and I don't think it's more than just because you're at the top of the standings. If I had to ask you, you know, as a player in that locker room, what's different about it this time around? I don't think we're chasing as much. I think uh, in the past, I, I feel like we go on these winning streaks and we're not making um, as much uh, of a improvement in the standings, I think. And, and uh, we've kind of been um, t- 
towards the bottom uh, and haven't had good starts in the past. And then we put together a winning streak and we're, and we're right. chasing. So um, this year is obviously um, we've been pretty consistent in our game and, and uh, we found ways to win. And um, it's nice to go on a streak like this, but at the same time, you got to stay in the moment and, and uh, uh, realize uh, what kind of game you're playing. And it's it's been unique in how you guys have won these games like every game it seems like it's a different style almost like I look at the game against Buffalo probably you guys would probably admit not your greatest game but Mm -hmm. Carter plays awesome in net Uh, but there's also other games where you play physical like against Washington or you just dominate puck possession and you you know outshoot the other team Mm -hmm. is it just a matter of we can play any style and let the game dictate what that style is and we'll take it from there? Yeah, I think so. And I think we've done a, a really good job of, of adjusting mid-game. And, and uh, when we aren't playing well, we know it. And uh, obviously didn't have our best game against Buffalo. But like you said, Hartsy comes up huge. And, and you need that at this time of year. I right. think uh, points are so key. And um, every, every uh, team in our division is, is uh, fighting for a spot. So... Um, it's it's been a lot of fun and, and it's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch. We talked about this a couple games ago in the locker room um, about you personally about how things have kind of changed for you this year. And you, you said you've been feeling good since I guess right when you came back from the groin injury or was finger, finger, finger injury. injury. It was finger yeah. injury, right? Yeah. Um, but yet you also talked about how you really started to feel this way a little bit last year when mm-hmm. Scott Gordon really kind of gave you an opportunity. Yeah. Do you think it was really that? What it took was just the opportunity to have more responsibility and to and to play more to really kind of jumpstart you to be the player that you're that yeah. you've been recently. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, obviously uh, confidence pay, plays a huge factor in that. And um, once you're playing more minutes, you, you start to um, feel the puck a little bit more. You start making more plays. And um, uh, just uh, very thankful that when Gordo came in, I, I was put in a, a role where um, I could try and do that stuff. So. Um, I think it takes a while to, to learn this league and, and uh, get used to it, and, yeah. and it's tough. It's the best league in the world for, for a reason, but um, yeah, I struggled there a little bit early on in my career and just uh, tried to keep working hard and, and find a way where um, I could stick. Lappy used to say, and I think you were part of the summer programs when he was kind of running it back then before he was an assistant coach, but he used to say that for a young player, it's about finding your chair, like that mm-hmm. there are so many chairs, mm-hmm. and like only three guys can take those front row chairs and then you have to find where yours fits in. Yeah. And he says it's hard for a young guy to really identify mm-hmm. what you know what chair he needs yeah. to sit in. Is that kind of what you're talking about yeah. like when you were younger and not not knowing it and now all of a sudden you sit there and say, "Oh, I found it." And it's mm-hmm. man, this chair is like a recliner. It's really yeah. kind of comfortable for yeah. me. <laughs> no, it's it's been uh He's right. I, I think you have to find um things that work for you that that are going to keep you around and and uh, I think I just try and stay consistent in my game, try and bring the same thing every night, and um, hopefully it works out. But, yeah, it's been uh, – It's I always say it, it's hard to make the NHL, it's harder to stay. And, and uh, once you once you do that, get comfortable, and um, it's a little easier when your team's winning and, and everything's going the right way. But um, it's been a, a lot of fun. Now, there's something i got to dive into with you just a little bit. Mm-hmm. We had TK on right. last month. And we say, asked him, you know, what it's like about being like, cause he's a pest, and you know, mm-hmm. not a lot of guys like him around the league. Whichever, that, that's fine. And we asked him, you know, why that is, and he says, well, you might be a little bit mouthy. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, okay, well, do you do research, and you know, what are you going to say to guys? And he said, no, to be honest with you, I get it all from Lawton. 
Mm-hmm. He says, I, I probably get in trouble more often saying something I've heard Lawton say about a guy, but I just say it right to his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called you like the best chirper on the team. Is that mm-hmm. fair? What do you think? Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I talk probably the most. Uh, yeah. Probably the most, but yeah. I... Uh, Gets me involved in the game, and and uh, you saw it a little bit in that Ottawa game, but sometimes it comes back and, and bites you. But um, it, it keeps me active in the game, and um, just trying, I don't know, get on guys, and um, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, uh, TK TK's good. We we got a couple good guys that uh, that can dish it out, and um, kind of just part of the game and, and how it runs. A couple questions off of that. First of all, before I get into like what, how you, can, I, oh, let me ask you this first. Do you prepare? For that, by any stretch of like, you know, you're playing a certain team. Like, oh well, this guy, you know, but you don't have to give me specifics. But mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy, we know we can get under his skin a little bit. Yeah. Here's some stuff we could say about him. Or is it just something that's kind of, you know, organic that comes yeah. out of the play? Yeah, it's in the moment. I think. Yeah. And, um, you know, a bunch of the guys from from playing around, and and I've been here for a little bit. But uh, there's certain guys that. Uh, <laughs> Kind of we go back and forth with, but uh, yeah, uh, sometimes a little research, but uh, no, mostly <laughs> mostly in the moment, and, and you're always, uh, it, it kind of comes off quick. Sometimes you, you sound a little uh, dumb, but uh, no, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Uh, and another thing that I've been told quietly is that Brian Elliott's pretty good on the bench, chirping mm-hmm. at guys. Is that a fair assessment? Is, 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 is Moose, heard, good, I, Moose good there? I haven't heard Moose, but he's awesome on the bench. <laughs> I, I love seeing him. Uh, we we kind of lock eyes when uh, when I'm on the ice and we score a goal. So it's he's uh, he's been really good for for our younger guys, and he's such a good pro, and um, he's a lot of fun to to have on the bench and and in the net. Is there an underrated guy when it comes to chirping, like on the team, like somebody who you sit there and like, you kind of get surprised, you look over, so. Cube, Cube has some funny ones. He he was in the minors and uh, he would be asking me certain things about guys. But uh, he he stood up the last game, I'm trying to think who was chirping, and I kind of just told him to yeah take a seat. Not not the big boy. You don't go after any big boys. So you you let them uh, chirp each other. But yeah, he's uh, he's pretty funny. So you had a I understand because I was sitting in here I didn't see it but you you and G had a little bit of a mm-hmm. little playful fight there at the end of the yeah, at yeah, the end yeah. of practice. What was uh, what was that all about? Oh, he took me down. He uh, <laughs> he wrestled me down. I don't know. He was staring at me all practice. So <laughs> said do you want to do something? But uh, no, it was fun. Uh, get him ready maybe uh, maybe get someone here. Is that is that kind of like a th- another thing that kind of builds out of the way that the team's playing right now that you that you can have that kind of fun mm-hmm. at practice and there's not it's very loose yeah it's been a it's been a ton of fun coming to the rank I, I think um, the coaching staff and, and everyone has done a really good job of having days off and and uh, we don't practice as as much as we have in the past right. and um, I think guys are coming to the rank and, and it's a ton of fun to, to come and um, hazy keeps it pretty light in the morning you come in the morning you're getting a good morning but uh, no it's been a ton of fun now, are you involved with the uh, music that goes on in the locker room? I hear yeah. you have half the time, and Jake has half the time. I go on. Uh, I go on right when I get to the rink, probably around like four twenty, four thirty, and then Jake hops on after the power play meeting. So he'll be on till the thirty minute mark, and uh-huh. then I go back on. So how different are your two styles of music? Completely different. <laughs> it's he's got he's got Bruce Springsteen and ACDC, and I got. Uh, it's more a little house and, and dance music. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And what do you so? What do you think? Which one do you, 
uh, you think guys respond to more? Which one do they like more? Think they like you or do they like Jakey better? Or is it is it based on I like think, the older guys go yeah. at him and the younger guys go at you? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's nice that we we switch it up. And Jakey usually plays his music when everyone's playing Super Bowl and he's in there, so he listens to it pretty loud and um, he gets it going in there. But no, it's. Uh, it's a lot of fun playing the music. I think it kind of gets me involved too, uh, staying in the game. That's awesome. Um, uh, one of the things I always try to ask guys uh, about is, you know, where they, you know, grow, grow where they grew up. I mean, here in this big city in Philly, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so we don't know, especially for Canadian guys, like we don't know anything about like suburban Canada. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a lot of farmland. Now you're not too far outside of um, Toronto, Toronto yeah, right? So it's, yeah. you're more like a, just a suburb, right? Mm-hmm. So, but was there anything unique about growing up there? And maybe anybody, did you grow up with anybody who's like playing even real little that is in the league now or yeah I, I grew up playing um well I grew up in Oakville so it's like it would be like the skate zone to, yeah. to downtown so it's 25 30 minutes from Toronto probably an hour and a half with traffic but um <laughs> no it was uh my parents are still in the same home and um I used to go back there in the summers moved out uh, last year first first year so good um it, it's uh it's a lot of fun going back home and and seeing family and all that but uh yeah it's uh it's a lot of fun did you buy your own place up there I bought a place uh yeah uh just outside of Toronto so okay. I'm not in the city but uh yeah just outside closer to my gym and and all my buddies but yeah I had a bunch of buddies growing up uh playing with Adam Pellix uh, on the Islanders uh-huh. and Connor Brown in Ottawa now. Um, Matt Finn was a high pick. He's over in Austria. So we had, we have a, a good crew of guys that, uh, that played and, and still play pro. Cool. Um, one of the questions we ask is, uh, are, are you somebody who likes to stream shows on like a Netflix? Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Netflix guy? Yeah. What, what are you watching? What do you um, want to know? Okay. So I watched, uh, I got hurt, uh, with my finger. Um, my girlfriend tried to get me to watch Grey's Anatomy for the longest time. I got hooked on it. Did so, you really? Yeah, oh, I just, I no. just was, watched that. I know it's bad, but uh, <laughs> I watched that. I'm watching Power right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I watch uh, uh, quite a bit of TV and uh, nice to. Are to you relax. a documentary guy? Do you watch? I any love the, documentaries. So do you watch like TK was embarrassed to talk about, but we I watch them all too. Do you watch mm-hmm. those true crime? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. They're I pretty, watched, pretty the, awesome. The one documentary I thought was unbelievable was the one, um, the Russian one, where they're doing all the doping. Oh, and, yes. Uh, oh. They go in behind the scenes yeah, and stuff. I, I thought what it, that was cool. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was really cool, but it's it's nice. I, I, I have a lot of fun watching it. Did you watch Don't F with Cats? Did you see that one? No, I couldn't throw it on. <sighs> yeah. yeah. My dad told me to watch My dad's a big TV guy. Yeah. He, he watches all the shows, so he told me to watch it, but... Um, I don't think yeah, it's, well, I, I would say watch it only because it ties into Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it takes place in, in you know, in U.S. too, but in, also in yeah. Montreal. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and it's it goes beyond the cats. Mm-hmm. So just don't get, by, don't know, get, don't get know, sucked in just by the I title. Know, I know. <laughs> um, hobbies outside of, you know, when you're not playing hockey. Like, you know, what do you like to do? Yeah. Um, usually in the summer, I'll golf pretty much every day. Yeah. Try and get out there, work out, skate, and then um, go out and golf and um, usually just relax. I, I yeah. think it's, it's, it's nice to have that downtime in the summer and, um, pretty simple guy. I mean, just go home and, and spend some time with my family and, and girlfriend and, um, just relax. What's your handicap? I'm a 10. Yeah. Tried to get, I was a seven, two summers ago. I'll try and get back down, but it's, uh, it's nice to have a 10 for a couple matches that we play in. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. That's yeah. good. Well, Hey Scotty, continued success. Uh, it's been a great season for you so far. Don't thanks let so up. Much. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll do this again down the road. Sounds good. Thanks All right. So thanks much. again, pal. Thank you. All right.
And that, my friends, was Flyers forward Scott Lawton. Anthony, uh, I, I have to say, I was a little bit surprised that Lawton admitted to uh, to what Konechny said about him. My, my favorite part of it was he said he does a little research. <laughs> that there are guys that they do research. he does research on. Well, who do you think the guy that they got under the skin of the most uh, most recently was that he definitely had to have done some real research? I mean, into? It, it, it's got to be um, Brandon Lemieux from the Rangers. They had a back-to-back with him. That's the one that um, was caught uh, on video and uh, photographs that we put up, you know, that we retweeted and put into the stories on Crossing Broad. It has to be him. He's number one. But I think that there's other guys as well. And did you, li- you know, did, I go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. I was I was going to say, and did you like how he kind of, uh, you know, said that Cube <laughs> has got a little bit of that in him too, which is nice because you don't want the sandpaper to just be the on ice uh, physicality. You also want it to be the uh, look. I, I think that if you have a a team that's full of healthy chirpers, it it goes a long way for team morale. Right, sure does, and 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 whether it's you know a top line player or a second line player or whatever, um, in like a TK, or it's a guy who's typically been a bottom six forward who's now kind of finding his way up the lineup in Lawton, or it's a guy who seemingly comes out of nowhere and and fills a vital role on this team like a Nick Abi Kubel. Even I guess to some extent, you know Kevin Hayes. I I just keep going back to when he called the uh, the guy a giraffe uh, early in the season. Uh, there's just something healthy about that. There's just something that's so something that's so enjoyable about watching a team that you know is out there having fun and supporting each other. And okay, are they tearing down the uh the opponent in the process? Sure, but that's part of professional sports, right? Yeah. And it's and it, look, it translates elsewhere too. Because you, you know that they're chirping each other in practice, which is, you know, we talked a little bit about today there was a um a little playful scrum between Giroux and Lawton on ice. And they dropped gloves and they did a whole fake fight thing. But, you know, that's kind of what you're it's what you're talking about. They really like each other. Um, they really like being around each other. They, they have fun together. And so that when you have that translating, you know, from your personal, the, their personal relationships with one another to practices, to games, it's going to be a, a nice thread that you can weave through there that supports the way the team is playing. So that's what I keep trying to, you know, hint at here. This is not lightning in a bottle. This is not, oh, a team just getting hot or maybe a team that goes on a run because they got some breaks with some, uh, you know, shootout wins or, you know, a couple a break went their way in overtime or something. The Flyers had nine game winning streak, eight games that they won in regulation. And this is not this is not what you you know you're used to. So. I think this is this all kind of ties together, and, and you know it's nice to hear Scotty talking about it because, you know, he gives you he he tells you how it is. Like you know, this is this is confidence that's around this team right now. They believe that they can win any game, anytime, anywhere, any style, and and that's rare. It's rare to have that, um, and for for any team, not just the Flyers. It's rare for any team to have that, and the team that's able to replicate that the best is usually the team that you know, gets to the final or wins the final. Um, and right now, I'm not sure that there's another team that's replicating that as well as the Flyers are. I think there's another layer to this as well. And it, it was something that 
uh, was going all across social media and uh, the the post blew up on the site and then it blew up again on our uh, Facebook page. But Oscar Lindblom was around the team today uh, when they were doing the picture. It doesn't look like he was in the official picture, but he was he, down down around. He actually with the guys. No, he was there. They, he took the official. There was multiple pictures that were taken today, right? Okay. The, so the, the the official okay. picture he's in. Okay. And then there were a couple other. You know, they had to put pictures with uh, like some certain fans that have won. Um, you know, there was a I think a season ticket holder that won a prize that was you know being the team photo, and then there was the one that they took with the entire organization with you know with all the all the employees and gritty. So there's all there was all different photos that they took. Um, Limblom, by the way, walked through our interview today. No way. He did. Right, and Craig was Craig saw him. He's like, "Oh, is that who that is?" So, uh, Craig's our video guy, and you know he didn't he didn't know who Oscar Limblom was, but he walked through, um, you know, and uh, it was good to see him. It was really it was really good to see him, um, and I think that he does lift the spirits of the For team sure. whenever whenever they see him. Um, I don't think I, there's a way to overstate that either. No, it's not. Way. But it, but it it's is sad. It, there, it's a sad reason. I think that they know that his battle is a lot tougher than most. Mm-hmm. And I think that th- so seeing him, you know, seeing him you know, with the shaved head and uh, he's looking a little gaunt. Um, I think that that I think that that eats away at them a little bit. But at the same time, I think it's great motivation. I think it's something they want. Yeah. Win- they want to win for him. They want to play for him. Um and they're riding that emotion, you know. I think that it's I think it's a positive for the team. Um especially when he's able to pop in like that, you know, unannounced. Yeah, I I don't think there's any way to to put into words the kind of impact that it has. I mean, you you think about any time that Elaine Vigneault talks about him and I think this is why aside from all of the the on-ice things that have changed with Elaine Vigneault as coach and and aside from all of the masterful tactician moves all the tactical decisions that he's made on the ice and and pushing the right buttons on when to play certain lines and when to pay when to play certain combinations in games to put the team in the most advantageous position to get you know the the ultimate outcome of a win i think aline Vigneault, the human being and having you know emotional intelligence has been so massive for this team and anytime he's talked about oscar lindblom he lights up, right? And he talks about how Oscar Lindblom lights up the room. But when A.V. talks about him, there's almost this, I, I guess the way that I put it is almost like a parental sort of pride. And and he's almost brought to tears every time he talks about him. And maybe the, it, it has to do with, like you were saying, that you know there there's nobody who I think is living under this like false precept or, or, you know, is like living in ignorant bliss that like he's in the fight of his life. This isn't about trying to get him back on the ice to play hockey. This is legitimately about survival. Maybe it's a little bit of that, but it's also of just in his first year as the coach of this team and, and getting to see, you know, Oscar Lindblom, the person before he got this awful diagnosis in December, there's just kind of that part that pulls at your heartstrings as well. And I, I think that there's a certain level of maturity and, and I, I don't know, like almost like a father figure of sorts 
that Elaine Vino brings to this locker room, at least for a lot of the younger guys on the team. And and I don't think there's a way to to overstate that. And I don't think that there's a way to be able to put that into some kind of tangible, measurable um, quality. It's just a, a thing that I think kind of permeates the locker room. And, and there's just this support that goes well beyond the ice, which I think is just a great thing to see. And it, it's something that should make fans, you know, I, th- I think feel a whole lot better about this team. Yeah. I mean, they're fun. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're fun because of a lot of reasons. And, and one of them is their closeness. Um, and, and this, even though this is not a, a fun situation that we're talking about, um, it, it has brought them closer, even closer. I mean, they, they were a tight team to begin with, but this has made them like family, like blood. I mean, that's, that's how tight this group is now. Um, and that's why you're seeing what you're seeing on the ice. So, uh yeah it's all it's all positive um but i'm I'm a little worried now russ go on i'm a little worried because one of the things and we talked i talked about this with lawton um and, and uh actually i didn't talk about it with lawton i talked about it with Derek grant who we didn't even mention i did two interviews today Well, because because Derek grant's uh interview is going to be on our later episode yes <laughs> <laughs> Our episode later this week, when we go to two episodes in a week, yes. watch out. Yes. So, oh, yes. Oh, yes. So announcement really there. Quiet. There you go. wife and kids are asleep upstairs. So, yeah, a little announcement there. I can't, there. can't so, go all out. So we're going to have two episodes a week. Uh, I also did one with Derek Grant, which we'll play later in the week. But I asked him about, you know, what he's a guy who's bounced all over the league. He's seven teams in seven years, um, and, or seven seasons, not seven years. Um and uh, you know this is this this season he's he's going to set a record for or personal record for games played goals scored total points um, and I said to him I said you know one of the things about AV is he's really you know tinkered with the lineup until he found something he likes and he's able to keep it and roll with it and we've been seeing that right I mean unless there's an injury you the lineup has been pretty much the same you know for a long for a lot of games now. Um, and lo and behold, we had James Van Riemsdyk break his hand, blocking a shot. So Joel Faraby came in and they shifted, he shifted Lawton to the third line. Um, so there was that one change. And then Phil Myers left practice early today. Um, maybe result of an injury from blocking a shot the other night. Um, but he didn't make it very long and had to leave practice at which point, um, they jumped Robert Haig uh, to the second unit um, to play with Sanheim. And the third unit in practice was Justin Braun with Shane Gostisbehere. Um, they asked, the media asked Vino afterwards about Meyer's status. And he didn't really have an update, said there would probably be something a little bit later. Um, but he did indicate that Ghost is ready to go and ready to jump back into the lineup if need be. Um, you know, in place of him, if there is, if Myers can't go, and you start to think about it, and you say, well, there's not, you know, I'm not trying to find blame for Shane Gossesberg. That's the furthest thing from what I'm saying here. But if you had so much success with the with the same core group of 18 skaters, and now all of a sudden, in the span of a couple games, you you, you lose, you know, a guy like JVR, you potentially lose. Phil Myers and although you have 
NHL caliber replacements, they're certainly not the best fits uh, in those in those spots because if they were, the coaches would have had them out there to begin with, right? So I start to worry if you're making a couple changes like this and the first time that everybody's playing together is, you know, against the Boston Bruins as you try to win 10 in a row, that could be a little bit of a stumbler. And then you go, you have to immediately go down to Tampa and play the Lightning, who you've struggled against already this season. And now all of a sudden you're trying to do it with, again, a, you know, a couple of makeshift uh, operations going on on the ice. So, um, this week is a week that scares me a little bit now. I, I wanted to be really uber confident because I, of the way the Flyers are playing and, you know, you just don't want to ever see them lose. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see how long you can keep it going. Right. I mean, that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah. But at the same time, when you look at that schedule and you see Boston, Tampa, the next two games, I think to myself, this, there couldn't be a worse time to lose two players out of the lineup. Um, than going getting you know coming up upon these two games um so yeah it's a busy week there's four games in uh six days so um three of them are at home where the flyers are next to next to perfect almost perfect 22 2 and 2 i believe it is or 2 and 4 22 2 and 4 this season on home ice um so like i i think that um I think that they have a chance to win a couple games this week, but I also worry a little bit about it. All right, well, stop hedging. What's their record? What's their record this week? Well, I've been wrong the last two weeks you've asked me this. I know. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, it's not like... By I've the been... way, the, the Flyers at home this season are 25-5-4. Are 25-5. I was thinking of Carter Hart's record is 22-2-2. That's that's what I'm... God, he's yeah, been good at yeah, home. Yeah, he's been good. Um... By the way, those 25 wins are the most at home this season in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Um, Boston. I think they're actually the most. They're the most in all of hockey, right? Yeah. 25 wins at home are the most at home of any team in the NHL. So take that. Tremendous. Um, Boston, Tampa, Minnesota, Edmonton. Um, So four games this week three at home only the one road trip to tampa but still tough minnesota and edmonton are back to back it's really going to be tough to play edmonton on the back end of a back-to-back because of how fast that team is right and you get if the Mm -hmm. games were flipped Mm -hmm. and edmonton was first minnesota was second i think it would match up better for the flyers um still they you know i have reason to be confident in them that they you know they do find a way um but i'm going to put them at two one and one this week I think they're going to go three zero and one. I I really am a big believer in this team right now. Um, no, you know what? Three and one. I think they they're going to drop regulation to Tampa. Um, I I could see the two one and one, and I I think they are going to. I think they're going to beat Boston, which is going to be a lot of fun. They could because they got first place on had, the line. Because they've had a lot of success against the Bruins so far this season. I also take into account that they're going to be missing two defensemen tomorrow and uh, Brandon Carlo and, and Tori Krug. So that that could go a long way. Um, it, you know, if you're looking to try to find matchups that you can exploit, that's certainly not bad 
for your team. So while the Flyers might be missing two of their own, it, it doesn't hurt to have a uh, not fully healthy Boston, Boston Bruins team. So I think they're going to beat the Bruins. Lose in regulation to Tampa, um, even though Tampa in their last 10 are 4-5-1. and one. And I think they're going to win both games of the back-to-back. I just don't uh, until this team does something that makes me feel otherwise. Um, I think that Minnesota game is going to be really tough. I'm not a huge believer in Edmonton, so that's where I'm at. Okay, I think they go three and one, three one and zero. Oh. Sounds wonderful. You might be right, Russ. You might be right on. And the reason I think that this Boston game and the Tampa game are more important and are bigger games than the Washington game was. You know, of course, everybody wanted to see the Washington game, you know, first place or get within a point of first place, you know, division rival, March. There's a lot of things that kind of build up that hype. But the fact of the matter is, is that if the Flyers, and they won the game 5-2, played a great game, but if they had come out and stunk, let's say, um, in that game and lost to Washington, it really wouldn't have been that big of a deal. You know, because they had such a nice lead over the teams that are not in the playoffs. Um, you know, you can't win every game, obviously. So, you know, if you lose one here or there, it's not the end of the world. And especially if it's a game against a team that's as good as Washington. Yeah, okay, it makes sense, right? I mean, it can happen. Um, but this Boston and Tampa game was going to be more – if there's anything to have a measuring stick against, like we know that the Flyers can beat the Metropolitan teams. They've done it all year. So that's the, the Metropolitan Division is not necessarily something that the Flyers are, are worrying about and thinking about as they head into the playoffs. But if you look at look at Boston and Tampa, they're the two teams that you sit there and say, well, if they match up with one of them, it's probably not a good matchup for you know for the Flyers um, as far as playoffs are concerned. But you know, if you're able to go out there and and beat these two teams this week, and that that could change everything. That could change the perception of how good Boston and Tampa are. That could change the balance of power in the conference. It could really make things more unique and more different. And I think that that's that's why these two games probably mean a lot more ultimately than that Washington game meant that got the Flyers the first time within a point of of the division lead. I think it's a really good point. Well done. Well done out of you. I think you did a good job this episode. Wow. Gee, yeah, thanks, Russ. I, I really do appreciate that. That's nice of you. <laughs> so don't forget, we'll be back later this week. We, got, uh, we, we have some five-star reviews we might get to. You've so got a we, lot of stuff what? to do. you got a lot of stuff to do here. What? you got? You got ads to do. we got five-star reviews. you got to announce the autographed uh, pop that you're giving away. Hold on, fella. you got a lot look, going on look. here. Look, hold on, man. Golly gee, we I mean, did a lot of work today, man. Let's you know, let's let's show it. Well, you know what? If you want to show something, I would recommend that you show your friends and family the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Of course, DraftKings Sportsbook is the number one place to go if you want to place your bets. Because listen, if we're being honest, there are a lot of sports books out there. You can read all about them on CrossingBroad.com. Uh, you know, between Kyle and Big Bet Bob, they've done full breakdowns on all of them. And maybe you're established with one of them and you feel pretty happy with it and you thought, you know, what's the point of going with 
with DraftKings Sportsbook. After all, it's just another sportsbook, right? They're going to have the same odds. They're going to have the same props. That's where you'd be wrong because DraftKings Sportsbook offers, I would argue, the, the best variety of prop bets. And in a lot of cases, they offer prop bets that are practically giving you free money. And of course, with the NCAA tournament coming up, DraftKings Sportsbook is probably going to be looking to get you to put even more money into the app with, uh, you know, even even better uh, odds, even better opportunities to uh, double your money or to uh, to get a, you know, what effectively is free money to get yourself geared up for March Madness. Anthony, I know that you've got your picks because you're successful Sam Filippo. I guess this is about the point in time where uh, those would come in handy. Yeah, I uh, went one on one last week, 17-15 on the year. Um, I'm going to give you, for Tuesday night, give you a pair of games. Um, one that I think is um, an easy play, and the other one that's um, not as easy. But I'm going to go with it anyway. So the easy play that I'm going to give you is the Carolina Hurricanes over the Detroit Red Wings in Detroit. Um, Hurricanes have now vaulted themselves into a playoff spot. A um, couple of teams chasing them, both the Islanders and the Rangers, and the Florida Panthers, as a matter of fact, three teams chasing them. Um, and I think that the Hurricanes are just significantly better than Detroit. Detroit's only won 17 games all year. Um, you know, they can get a little feisty for a little while, but ideally this is an easy win for the Hurricanes as they try to hold off the rush coming up, coming from behind. And speaking of the two New York teams, they're both on the road, the Rangers and Dallas uh, the Islanders are in Vancouver. Islanders have really struggled since the trade deadline. And I mean, like, uh, like next-level struggle. You know, they went out and made the big trade to get J.G. Pajot, signed him to a new deal. Um, and, you know, they were really kind of liking where they were in the, in, in the standings. And then all of a sudden, things have just gone to pot. I mean, they um, want... They've now lost six in a row, I believe. Yeah, so they're o three and three since the trade deadline, and now they embark. Now they have embarked. They're embarking on a three game road trip to Western Canada, starting with Vancouver Tuesday, and then later in the week in Calgary and Edmonton back to backs. I think sometimes when a team is really struggling and needs to have you know needs to find what's wrong or else fall completely out of contention. That something like this, a trip like this, can help, where you're traveling mostly all you mostly all the way across the country. Um, you get a little personal time with your teammates, even though you're playing three games in four nights. You know that could be a challenge, but I like them in the first one. So I'm going to take the Islanders on the road in Vancouver as a winner outright, uh, and then maybe they'll lose later in the week when they play Calgary and Edmonton. Successful San Filippo, make sure you play those picks because there's a decent chance they hit. He's done well this year. Don't forget, go check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It's safe and secure. It's based here in the U.S. It's not shady. There's no feeling dirty when you go to to uh, deposit money or, or withdraw your funds. You don't have to go call up a bookie. Good God, don't do that. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use our promo code CROSSINGBROAD, that's all one word, CROSSINGBROAD, and take advantage of their best sign-up offer to date. They've got a $1,000 sign-up bonus, so if you haven't gotten in on the action yet, now's the time. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use our promo code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up, and for a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That is a great bonus. 
Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. In partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get into five-star five reviews. Sound good, fella? Sounds fantastic. But, you know, before we get into our five-star reviews, let's talk about the five-star quality beers that you can find over at Odd Logic Brewing Company, located at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. Odd Logic Brewing Company is the place to go to have a good time, catch some live music, go out, try delicious beer with delicious food trucks, and, of course, cheer on the orange and black. They've got plenty of flat-screen TVs all around. They like to pump the game audio through. And I think we're going to be working with them on something very special soon. Odd Logic Brewing Company, uh, I, I texted over to uh, to Tim, who uh, is the owner. We were going back and forth about some ideas for a Flyers-themed beer. And uh, here's, what, here's what the best part about Odd Logic Brewing Company is. You ready for this? I don't even think I told you this. I said, hey, you know, here's an idea, Flyers beer. The last live show went really well. We've talked about you know going out and doing another live show. Uh, as the playoffs approach. And I said, you know, what do you think about doing a Flyers beer? And you know what his first thought was? It wasn't about profits. It wasn't about how to make more money and to get more people out. The first thing he said was, what if the the thing that we do led to uh, a nice donation to uh, the Oscar charity? Which is cool, right? Because how many people would think about, you know, just trying to get the most money in their pocket? No. Odd Logic Brewing Company they want to make sure that we make a nice donation um, to one of the cancer the one of the can- cancer foundations, maybe the Ewing sarcoma. We'll kind of knock out some of those logistics as as time goes by. But if you have an idea for a Flyers themed beer, make sure you hit us up on uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, and let us know. But uh, they they've had some really cool beers going on tap, and uh, recently they brought up the Right in the Fields chocolate banana, a slight variation of what they normally have. It's a rich dark chocolate coffee, cacao nibs, and banana. 12% stout. My friend, I don't know about you, but a few 12% stouts sounds good right about now. You a stout guy, Anthony? What do you think? Um, what kind of beer guy are you? I I like a lot of beers. Um, I do like stouts. Uh, I like um, I like ales. Can I interest you in the Sweet Serenade 7% stout with rich milk, dark chocolate... <laughs> Caramel or caramel, if you prefer, with a subtle yeah. roasted finish. Yeah. Oh, you like ales. You like ales, did you say? I do. I don't see an ale right now on their tab list. It's okay. Well, an IPA is I'm an sure ale, they have right? One. Yeah. I mean, but I think of like a nice brown ale. Yeah. Uh, what was my favorite one? The Hooligan Factory, I think. I don't see it on there, which is very sad. But all puns intended, very good one with the uh, the grapefruit in there. Anyway, Odd Logic Brewing Company. Go out there. 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. I know sometimes people are like, oh, that's Bucks County. Do we really want to get in the car and drive all the way up to Bucks County? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you should. Pandemic be damned. Odd Logic Brewing Company. Go out, try their beer. Let them know that you heard about them on Snow the Goalie or the Press Row Show, Crossing Broad. Let them know. All right, five-star reviews. Are you ready? Ready, ready. I know that these are the things that get you so excited, too. Like, pretty much anything else that we do is me hyping it up. But you'll just, like, shoot me a text in the middle of the day, and I'm thinking, oh, man, like this must be good news. And it's you saying, hey, we have another five-star review. Like, I can't stress to people enough how happy it makes Anthony Sanfilippo. All right. 
here's one. Here's our first one. I like this one because I know who this is. And there's a story behind this, and I'll tell tell the story in a second. Uh, from Mackenzie from Twitter, as delicious as an evening at Odd Logic Brewing Company. Since engaging in a fair amount of Twitter conversation, I figured it was time to give what is deserved. I impatiently wait Mondays for this to drop and love the witty banter back and forth between Russ and Anthony. This is the only Flyers podcast that shares a wealth of knowledge in a fun and engaging way. Thank you for making long drives go fast. Also, I second adding a second show during the week. Thanks, Mackenzie. Okay, are you going to tell me who it is? So Mackenzie happens to, if I'm assuming this is the right Mackenzie, uh, is in a relationship with a, a guy named Tim. And Tim and I had a tumultuous relationship on Flyers uh, Facebook. Uh, a year ago, ah. I got into a little bit of a spat on a few of the uh, uh, Facebook groups about Shane Goss' bear. And there are a few people who uh, moderate, uh, I don't know, like let's say eight or nine of the Facebook groups. And because of a little spat that I had, I found myself banned from multiple Facebook groups because I mentioned the fact that the Flyers might trade Shane Goss' bear. And, um, well, anyway, Tim and I connected on Twitter, and then that led him to uh, telling me that his his uh, significant other, Mackenzie, enjoys the show, is a big fan of the show, and guess what Mackenzie did? Unblocked me from all of those Facebook groups. So, big thank you to Mackenzie, what and thank you for the five-star review. What a heartwarming review. story. That is. That's, listen, that's a full circle thing. It was bitter last year when this team was garbage, but now that the team is better... We've all we've become a much more inclusive community here at Snow the Goalie. We acknowledge that we are no longer the only Flyers podcast. Sort of. We're sort of not the only. Anyway, uh, there's another one here. Do you want to read it or do you want me to? We need two shows a week from David2522. Five stars. We need two shows a week. Best Flyers podcast. Stopped listening to sports radio because of lack of Flyers talk and lack of respect to the fans. Best podcast to listen to at work. <laughs> Thanks, David. Well, we are family friendly. There's no uh, no real profanity to speak of. No, so. there's not. But there's also you can listen to us with, uh, listen, with the kids in the car. Listening or... at work. I mean, you know, I, you, you, should you be listening to podcasts at work? I don't know. I mean, if you're productive, sure, why not? I guess. I guess. And then we have one here from Jerry Neeson. Five stars. Thank you. That's uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, for yeah. What? Thanks, guys, for giving Flyers fans in Philadelphia what we were missing. Flyers Talk Radio. There you go. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate, Appreciate that. Appreciate that, Jerry. Hey, Ross, before we before we get out of here, yeah, I just wanted to remind you that you were you promised me a story what about story an accident you? you had yesterday. Oh, jeez. I did forget about that. And now, so, now i got to ask about it because, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to let this slide if it's something embarrassing to you. I think that the, you know, the audience needs to hear it, too. It is embarrassing. So there I was at my in-laws' house, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little bathroom etiquette that I have. You ready for this? Here we go. So any any bathroom that is not my own, I have a uh, a, a ritual that I do. I like to make sure that the toilet seat is clean, and then I like to flush one time. You know, like some people call it the courtesy flush. I'm pretty sure Larry David on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm years ago talked about the courtesy flush. So I always do the courtesy flush before I, I take care of business in the bathroom. And as the toilet was flushing, I reached in my pocket to throw out a used tissue. 
And as I pulled what was a tissue out of my pocket, my cute little uh, Samsung Galaxy Buds in their case flew out of my pocket. Oh, no. And the entire pod went down the toilet. <laughs> Mid-flush? Now, you know... Now you know mid flush. That's now a, you know that's how I am. A, that's impeccable timing, my friend. You know how I am with technology. So this was devastating to me. These were also a Christmas gift from my parents. I haven't told them, and I'm pretty sure I listened to the show. So sorry, mom and dad. Um, so they they go down mid flush. Now I do one of the the things that no one ever wants to do. I immediately stuck uh, your you, hand you know, in the toilet. Hold on. So so you know how when oh, you're playing Russell. beer pong. Hold on, stop. You know when you're playing beer pong. No. And the the ball is kind of spinning around. You you like get a finger and you just try to like flick it out really quick. You know the flick technique. There's the blow technique and there's the flick technique. You know what I'm talking about. It's been a long time for you since college. But uh, I tried to do the flick technique when I finally got over the shock and I saw them kind of spinning around in the toilet. That did not work. So then I thought, all right, you know what? There's a trap, and then you know the water's got to go down. It's got to go up and around and then down. So I roll up my sleeve and I get elbow deep into this toilet oh russell because all i think is you know maybe they got caught in the trap and there are supposed to be water resistant up to i think three or four meters for 30 minutes so i'm like all right worst case scenario i take them out i sanitize them i put them in 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 rice and maybe they're going to be salvageable i shove my arm down into the toilet down around up and my arm i learned cannot manipulate all the way up around to the top trap, and I realized they're gone. No, really? You you, you couldn't figure that out, Russ? <laughs> I realized they are, they're gone, gone. So then I'm like, all right, how far do I want to take this? Do I shut off the water? Do I drain it? Do I detach? Do I, do I cut the caulking around the toilet, and do I lift the toilet off to see at the rubber seal to see if they're just sitting underneath? I didn't go that far. I admitted defeat. I cleaned up, I cleaned around the toilet, and I felt a sadness in my heart. Then my brother-in-law and I, we went to two different stores to look for replacement headphones. Nobody had them. I guess everybody's hoarding them because of the coronavirus. And um, I ordered them on Amazon, and they're here now, and I'm on them now. And I enjoy them. I got an upgraded version, and I feel a little bit better. That's my story. It was embarrassing, Russ. The, The moral of the story is... never mess with your pockets mid flush yeah step away that's what i do i step away when it's flush time just i was like i was i was far this is the thing you don't understand i wasn't like just looming over the toilet like i was pretty far and i guess it was just a lot of pressure with the with the tissues balled up in my pocket and that was it it's sad yeah only you, Russ. Only me. Only you. Only you. Only me. Only the listeners of Snow the Goalie. See that? There's a little rhyme. You're going to tell, you're gonna tell them the about the uh, giveaway? Yeah. I guess now is about as good as time as ever. We are going to be giving away an autographed puck signed by Anthony. Friend of the show. One of only uh, a couple of guys to make two appearances. Uh, on Snow the Goalie. A player who has a long future ahead of him in this organization. Rookie Joel Farabee. 
So, so we're going to be giving away a an autographed puck by Joel Farabee. And all you have to do to enter, it's very simple. If you're one of our listeners over on Facebook, uh, we're going to put out a post on uh, Tuesday. So <laughs> it's, it's after midnight now, so it's Tuesday now. Uh, we'll be putting out a picture of the autographed puck. So all you're going to have to do is make sure that you follow the Snow the Goalie page. And in addition to that, uh, when we put up the picture of the giveaway, we're just asking that you share that picture uh, with your friends. It's that simple. It'll be a public post. All you have to do is hit share and try to spread the word about Snow the Goalie. If you're one of our friends over on Twitter, uh, we are going to ask that you retweet the picture of the, uh, the, the autographed puck. And uh, follow Anthony, myself, and the Snow the Goalie page. So that'll be at Ant San Philly, at Joy on Broad, at Snow the Goalie. Of course, if you go into the description of this episode and all the episodes, you have them hyperlinked and available. All you have to do is click on them. It'll take you right to our Twitter pages. Uh, just hit follow for those three. We'll cross-reference it. And then at the end, I don't know when we're going to end up raffling this off. It'll probably be next week. Um You'll be entered to win, and and uh, we'll we'll pick it, and we'll figure out how we're going to get it to you, and, and it'll be great. Awesome, right? Right? Awesome. Pretty solid. I think this is good. This is a good giveaway. I think it's a good way to you, get. You don't need to, to convince get. convince me. I mean, I know. I mean, I would fight a man for a Joel Farabee autograph puck. Would you fight a man? I will. I would fight a man to to finish talking like he's talking for the last hour and eleven minutes. And allow me to go to sleep, since it's after midnight. That's what I would fight a man for. Do you want to go talk to Wankel about a nope Phillies tonight? It's you. No? It's all you. All right. Well, it's good talking to you, pal. And of course, uh, Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast. We'll be back later this week with another episode. I don't know what night it'll drop. It might be, I don't know, Thursday after the Tampa game. Might be Friday. Don't know. But we'll have another episode this week. We'll have the Press Row show uh, Tuesday night. Flyers. Bruins. We'll have that going over on Twitter at Crossing Broad, um, at Ansan Philly, at Joy on Broad, and over on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Crossing Broad, Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie, and over on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Crossing Broad. Available in all those places. Uh, enjoy the Press Row Show. Check in with us. We'll have that for the Bruins game, and then we'll have it in back to back games this weekend at home as the Flyers take on the Oilers and the uh, Minnesota Wild. So it's going to be a jam-packed episode uh, or week of episodes here on Snow the Goalie and in the Snow the Goalie feed. And by the way, if there's something that you saw at Wells Fargo Center that you want to see reviewed in terms of food, make sure you send that our way as well, um, as we will do another episode, at least one this week, of No Pucks Given Arena Food Reviews. So for Anthony at Ant San Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again later this week.